1: Before we jump into this week's episode, we want to mention a relationship quiz we have put together for y'all. Within minutes, you will immediately see the strengths of your relationship and also areas of growth that you and your spouse can focus on this year.
2: We know this is going to be a great asset in building a strong, connected, and joy-filled marriage and family. So to grab the quiz, just go to inbetween.org to start today. You're listening to episode 129.
1: It's going to be life changing.
2: Of the In Between podcast, where you'll discover ideas to build a strong, connected, and joy filled marriage and family. My name is Daniel Lim.
1: And I'm Christina Hinn.
2: So, New Year's resolutions are going to be life changing.
1: <laughs> Always, well, right? Well, we hopefully. hope so. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> At least they are in the beginning of January. Come yes. February, <laughs> maybe a different story. That's right.
2: That's right. When we think of New Year's resolutions, uh, many times we're very aware, right? We're very aware of all the changes that we want to make in ourselves.
1: Like losing the last bit of baby weight. Yeah, my or... muffin top. <laughs> <laughs> or
2: wanting to read more books. Mm-hmm. Right. So, and you know what, sometimes as we think about and make these resolutions, we're keenly aware uh, also of what changes we hope to make in our spouses too.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Haha, just kidding. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, this episode has nothing to do with that. Yeah, that'll...
2: lead you to the doghouse (laughs) that's right
1: (laughs) everyone sleep in your own beds tonight yes precisely (laughs) well i don't know about y'all but until the pandemic hit last year i had actually never thought about making meaningful family resolutions in a previous episode we talked about talking with your family about what stays and what goes we'll link it into today's show notes which is inbetween.org slash episode 129 Uh, This episode aired when we were in the middle of our country's lockdown, when we were all working and learning from home. Remember that? Everything else but grocery stores were shut down. So, literally, we lived, worked, played. And cried at home. (laughs) But in the middle of this mess, we were also, the silver lining, able to look at everything we used to have to do because they were in our schedules or we signed up for that. And we were able to take a proactive step in choosing if, when everything opens, we will put those activities back in or really just not and enjoy a slower pace of life.
2: Mm-hmm. So as a family, this new year is really a great opportunity to decide together, together what habits and rhythms of life you want to live out this next year It's also, in the New Year, a great time to come together and set some family goals for this upcoming year as well. And that's why on today's episode, we want to share four life-changing New Year's resolutions for your family to make this year. These ideas are going to help you grow in closeness with one another, but you know what? They're also going to help you set healthy rhythms for your children to take into adulthood.
1: I love that, Danielle, because really that's a part, a huge part of what parenting is, right? It's to set our children up well for the future. And yes, that does mean, you know, giving them life skills and helping them be able to be independent, but also what it means to be emotionally healthy, physically healthy, spiritually healthy, mentally healthy. If we can give our kids the upper leg in that or even the tools to be able to take that with them into adulthood, how farther along will they be? than many others who haven't even realized that they have those needs. Yeah,
2: that's right, that's right. So let's jump into the first one, which is uh, to adopt a growth mindset.
1: This one hits really close to home, y'all, because I used to have a fixed mindset. I didn't even know I did, but that's what I had. I was terribly afraid of failing or not being the best at whatever I did, especially if I was working hard because I was told I'm smart. I'm a genius. I should be achieving everything that I can because of this label. One regret I do have is the fact that I didn't pursue linguistics further. Mm. I took one course in university just to get an idea of what it was and it Literally fascinated me. I was so enthralled with it. But it was really, really, really hard because I had no background in it. I remember going to talk to my professor during her office hours to ask a question and frankly uh, complain and hope and gripe that I would get a better grade because I put so much time into this, right? If you put so much time, press the button, you should be getting an A+. (laughs) That was the way my mind thought I distinctly remember her telling me that she hopes I stay with linguistics, not because I'm going to get straight A's, but because I have a talent for it. I remember leaving her office and completely thinking she was talking trash (laughs) Mm. because it didn't compute in my mind. How can someone be talented at something and not have the results, which I wanted an A+. um, because I was working hard, like it did not how did that make sense? You have talent, you should be able to achieve everything you put your mind to, right? And that's where the fixed mindset came in.
2: So let me ask you a question about that then. So up until that point,
1: mm-hmm.
2: were most of your courses easy for you then? Oh, yeah. Like they came very naturally? Exactly. Okay.
1: So if I put the effort in, I would get an A plus. Or if I got like an A minus, I could go talk to my professor and kind of fendangle my way to be like, can I do extra credit to move this up? And they were, you know, first year, they were very kind. They're like, yeah, sure. Why not? Hmm. Yeah. And this professor just... <laughs> Me down. She's like, keep trying. You're really good at this. Keep trying. Keep growing. But in my fixed mindset, I was like, forget it. Yeah, if only if only I had a growth mindset.
2: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, what is a growth mindset? Well, you know what? It's a term coined by Carol Dweck after her multi-decade research observing human motivation. She had spent her days diving into why people succeed or or don't succeed and, and what's within our control to foster success. Carol states that a growth mindset is when people understand that their abilities can be developed and that failure is not the end of the story, nor is it really the worst thing to ever be experienced. Instead, it's a part of the process and a part of our growth journey.
1: Do you see now if I had a growth mindset and entered that classroom of linguistics with a growth mindset, I really do think I would have stuck with it. Because mm. I realize that failure, I mean, to me, a B was a failure at that time. It's not the end of the story. It's part of the process. So I love this quote by Carol Dweck talking about growth mindset. She says, in a growth mindset, people believe that their most basic abilities can be developed through dedication and hard work. Brains and talent are just the starting point. This view creates a love of learning and a resilience that is essential for great accomplishment.
2: Okay, so that's an interesting quote going back to your linguistic class, Mm -hmm. because Dweck doesn't put aside brains and talent, right? I mean, those things are important. And as we've talked about on our mini series episodes of strengths for kids and, you know, strengths-based parenting and all that, I mean, that's talent is an incredible place to start. But As she said, it's a starting point.
1: Yeah, it's not the finish line. Mm -hmm, mm
2: -hmm. So I love that. And I love how really this whole idea is about creating a love for learning and resilience. Well, Carol Dweck, uh, she actually talks about the opposite of this being called a fixed mindset. And here's what she says in her book. In a fixed mindset, people believe their basic qualities like their intelligence or talent are simply fixed traits not starting points but fixed traits they spend their time documenting their intelligence or talent instead of developing them they also believe that talent alone creates success without effort
1: oh carol (laughs) (laughs) you were observing me weren't you in your research Uh uh-huh because that was me I was sitting in my belief that talent should automatically mean success because Mm. it had been before, Mm. but not in this case. And if you don't succeed, just give up Mm. because y'all, that's what I did. I gave up. And looking back, I cannot tell you how many opportunities I just gave up on because of this fixed mindset. My belief was that when things got tough, when my effort was not met with instant success, I was out of there running fast the other way while actually running toward accomplishment (laughs) because that's what I loved. Well,
2: you know what? I mean, this fits really well with everything we've talked about with strengths because the equation for strengths is talent multiplied by investment is a strength. So you don't, talents aren't strength. You strengths. You have to actually pour out and pour in investment into it. Mm-hmm. So if you just think about it from that equation, it's almost as if up until that point, a lot of the other courses and schoolwork that you had done, you had, let's say, a talent of eight, nine, or 10. And even if you just put a little bit of effort into it, like let's say you put a five in, right, mm-hmm. and you had a talent of 10, I mean, that'd be 50, right? But putting a five amount of energy is not a lot, right? And you just put a little bit more and it's just easier and easier and easier as you go. And it's almost like, you know, maybe your talent was a five and you're putting a 10 amount of investment in. And it was Mm -hmm. like, wait, this doesn't make sense. Like when I've worked previously in the past and put a 10 into something it is like a plus plus (laughs) plus plus plus
1: perfection because the
2: talent level was maybe a different starting point for you so you just equated that as well this i i just i'm just gonna give up
1: right i'm not good at this so Mm. why even try i remember telling my mom as she was sort of badgering me on this like don't give up so quickly That like my motto is don't work harder work smarter (laughs) Which can get you places, yeah. but there are times where you actually are going to have to work well, harder. It's
2: it's good that we're married together because, you know, my motto is work harder. <laughs> not smarter? <laughs> well, well, you have the smarts or not. Just out, I'm going to outwork everyone. <laughs> you know, my mom was like, oh, that's because you're an ox. You know, just going to outwork everyone.
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, are you beginning to see how important growth mindset is? In fact, our ideas about risk and effort come from our mindset. So this year, we want to encourage you to resolve to help your family realize the value of challenging yourselves and that the effort to learn and grow is worth it.
0: Hmm.
2: And as Carol Dweck says, changing our beliefs can have a powerful impact the growth mindset creates a powerful passion for learning. Why waste time poring over how great you are when you could be getting better instead? I love that.
0: Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah,
1: she goes on to say, why hide deficiencies instead of overcoming them? Why look for friends or partners who will just shore up your self-esteem instead of ones who will also challenge you to grow? Hmm. And why seek out the tried and true instead of experiences that stretch you? The passion for stretching yourself and sticking to it, even or especially when it's not going well, is the hallmark of the growth mindset. This is a mindset that allows people to thrive during some of the most challenging times in our lives. And podcast family, is this not the most challenging time <laughs> of our lives. Yes, that's yeah. right. That's right. It so, definitely feels like that. Exactly. So let's have a growth mindset towards that.
0: The wait is over. Find out what happens in the thrilling conclusion of the 12th Dead Sea Squirrels book, Babylon Breakout. available wherever books are sold.
2: Mhm. So on this episode we've talked about the first life-changing New Year's resolution which is to adopt a growth mindset. The second one is to try things that we will fail at.
1: Right. Oh, so hard, right?
2: <laughs> yeah, like why? Like why even, if you know you're going to fail, why even try? Right,
1: just run the opposite (laughs) direction. Yeah. Well, I love how this resolution really ties into and is a natural extension of learning how to have a growth mindset, right? Mm, In the growth mindset, failure can be a painful experience. But, and I'm going to underline it. It does not define you.
0: Hmm. So
1: failure can be a painful experience, but it does not define you. Hmm. Instead, it's a problem to be faced, dealt with, and learned from. So
2: let's just pause there. Podcast family, I want you to just think about something that you failed at in the recent past and how painful that felt. Shaming. Yeah. <laughs>
1: That's what I feel when I
2: fail. It's yeah. So shameful. Wh- yeah. Why do we why do we hang our heads? Why do we look to the ground when we've failed? Well, it's shame, right? We we feel like it's us. But we want you to hear this. That failure that you've just brought to mind does not define you. It does not define you. We can learn from those things. But here's the thing. If we are scared to make mistakes, then we're essentially going to live our lives paralyzed by the possibility of failure and you're not even going to start.
1: Right. Truthfully, this podcast would have not started three years ago if I allowed my fear of failure. Hmm to trump the fact and the calling that god had put on our lives to yeah. put this out yeah, remember right. those discussions daniel i was like but what if no one listens yeah. but yeah. what if everyone sends us piles and piles of hate mail? Yeah. <laughs> but what 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 mm. right and that really it came down to a fear of failure mm. so what if this is a big fat failure Am I going to be okay with
2: that? Well, I remember, Christina, you reading this book by Jessica Leahy, The Gift of Failure, uh, and uh, you shared this quote, right? We're creating a generation that has no idea what to do when they actually struggle. Ouch. (laughs) Every time we rescue, hover, or otherwise save our children from a challenge, who has done that? Me. Hands (laughs) raised high. But here's what she says. It's my, My goodness. She says... When we do that, when we rescue, when we hover, when we save our children from a challenge, we're sending a clear message that we believe that they're incompetent, incapable, and unworthy of our trust. Oh, I mean, just 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 think about that time that you saved them, and you're essentially like, and just imagine that situation and be like, hey. Uh, I'm saving you because you suck and you can't do this. I'm better than you, and I just can't even trust you to do the basic thing. So, yeah. just move aside. That's and not do what first.
1: we're doing. No. I mean, that's not what we're. That's not what we're <gasps> wanting to communicate. No, of course
2: not. But it's implicitly what's happening subconsciously so yes. underneath the surface. Uh, she goes on. St- she goes on to say further. We teach them to be independent from no. <laughs>
0: no No. when we save them (laughs) right when we save
2: them we're actually teaching them to be dependent on us and thereby deny them what we're doing is we're denying them the very education and competence that we as parents are out here on this earth to hand down when we rescue and save our children we are inhibiting and preventing them from growing up to be adults independent adults and we're allowing them to essentially live their lives in continual dependence of us. And you know, it actually feels good when someone depends on you. Yeah,
1: especially when they're growing older and they still need you. Yeah, yeah. That is like bomb to my breaking heart. Yes,
2: but that's not what we have to do. That's not what we're called. That's not what we're supposed to do as parents. It's just super unhealthy. (laughs) Codependence, anyone? Yeah, Yeah. exactly.
1: (laughs) We don't want codependent children because they will grow up and we'll try to find someone else to be codependent with, right? Mm -hmm. And that can be really, really unhealthy.
2: Yeah, and and just super quickly, neither do we want the flip side where it's like they're so independent that we never even pay attention to them or help them with anything as they're growing up. That's not what we're saying here.
1: Right, that's (laughs) negligence. Yeah. (laughs) All right, so So no codependency, no no negligence. negligence.
2: Somewhere in between, right? (laughs) All right,
1: let's find that happy medium, okay? Yeah. (laughs) Well, by resolving to try something new as a family, Mm. that has the risk of failure that's going to be the antidote to that right Mm. because it creates the environment where failure is normalized and not something to be avoided like the plague yeah so for example this year we introduced our kids to snowboarding and reintroduced ourselves to the sport after 15 years of not doing it Mm -hmm. so for those who have never snowboarded It is so difficult the first few times you go. Yeah, and make sure you buy butt pads. Yeah, yeah. yeah. (laughs) If you are like over 21.
2: Even if you're younger, I think...
1: Well maybe your ego will just oh, not yeah, I
2: guess your so. ego
1: will be able to bounce you back up from falling. <laughs> I don't know. But like if you care about your tailbone and you want to sit down comfortably on a chair mm. after you snowboard the first few times, definitely get those butt pads. So after the first time that you go, you will you will feel like a failure. Mm right? But with every time you go afterward, you improve bit by bit. That's what I love yeah, about Snowboarding. Yeah. And that's it's, what I love about our kids going too, right? It's uh-huh. like you seriously suck the first time and you're <laughs> well, so scared.
2: Well, you know, it's interesting, right? So this idea of a growth mindset and a, and a fixed mindset and uh, helping and, and always being open to trying things that we might fail at and trying new experiences. I mean, this is just defined what how we've parented i mean this is just something we've really been working Mm. at for a long time and it's interesting to just take this case study of having introduced our kids to snowboarding two months ago at the time of this recording so when we think about it right christina like we've been cultivating this environment of hey i can do hard Hard things things, right right. i mean we i mean our kids roll their eyes when they hear us say that (laughs) maybe we say too often (laughs) (laughs) right but it's like i can do hard things yeah we are going to try new experiences we are going to do new things we're going to eat new foods that you might not even like or etc and and we've been cultivating this and what's been really interesting christina is how they've even though they really sucked the first time we went right i mean like they're really bad (laughs)
1: really even the instructor was like oh yeah there was a challenge
2: (laughs) but what was interesting is how they 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 never said after that okay i'm done or you know they fell in there nope nope no they had the ups and downs and we reminded them we were coaching them on the hill we were like hey you know what it's it's okay for you to be like this it's the first time you've ever gone but look at how you've improved the end of it and over and over and over again to the point where now i mean we're going on the big hill and they're going down and at the end of it they're like we love that that was the best time ever. let's go again and they're not like olympian snowboarders by any means i mean they're They're still learning the basics but (laughs) but it's just been amazing to see them just in a span of a couple months be like i had no idea i was scared of even going i didn't even want to be fitted for a snowboard i didn't like To this point where now they're like, well, actually, this is amazing. And they have this this prime example that they can look back to and recall the next time they're facing something new and daunting and something that's that they're just like i don't know i'm gonna fail right, right. I, is it? yeah they have something they can remind themselves of
1: yeah i think they can also remind themselves of how many times their mom has fallen <laughs> yeah and gotten back up again <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah, <laughs> so right? that's part of it i get knocked down <laughs> when i get up again yeah, even when you <laughs> fall so hard it feels like your butthole exploded yeah. yep <laughs> been there oh
2: that was a really that was yeah. awful yeah, that's what i, I said know. yeah if yeah. you're
1: over 21 get yourself some butt pads <laughs> because you don't want that that is an experience i never want anybody else to feel yeah.
2: okay <laughs> all okay. right <laughs> so to hear more about this the gift of failure I, we want to encourage you to head on over to one of our previous episodes why we need to teach our kids to fail and you can find that link on today's show notes by going to inbetween.org episode 129 all right, so we've talked about two of the four life-changing New Year's resolutions, right? Adopting a growth mindset and trying things that we we're gonna fail at. The third one is a kind of a, it's, it's a little bizarre. So <laughs> first hear it. yeah, so don't end the episode after we say this. <laughs> yeah, and <I'd> be like, <laughs> allow what are us you to exp- about? Yeah, allow yeah. us to explain, okay? So the third one is to practice secrecy.
1: Right? I told you it sounds funny. <laughs> Especially the part about secrecy. Like you want me to keep secrets from my husband and my wife or my children? No, 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 no. We are not promoting or encouraging you to keep secrets from one another. That is not it at all. Mm-hmm. But what we are encouraging you to do is to take some time to live life off of social media and off of your phone and become a secret agent. Mm. Yeah, stay with me as I unpack this thought, okay? So we live in a world and our children are growing up in a culture that is really me centered. Mm. Some people have coined it the selfie generation because we're always taking selfies and we spend a lot of time pointing the attention and spotlight to ourselves. We unfortunately have become approval addicts where we live or die in the approval or criticism of others. Mm. Y'all, I've been there.
2: Yep, yep, me too. And as we've struggled with this, as we know many of you have as well we've come to realize that the antidote to all of this is secrecy, right? I mean, so secrecy from the perspective of deliberately keeping our good deeds and personal virtues unknown. In fact, in one of the chapters of my latest book, You Are What You Do and Six Other Lies About Work, Life and Love, I talk about this example and I'd love to invite you into this example. It's this idea where, hey, you have uh, someone's going to pay you an all expenses paid trip to go to wherever you want to go to Hawaii yeah Hawaii or Fiji or Italy or what well probably not Italy right now but you know (laughs) I mean non-COVID world right someone's going to pay for absolutely everything first class there first class back you know five-star hotels everything 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 so you have that option or you have the other option of saving up for it and going yourself the thing is, if you choose the former option where everything is paid, you actually have to go by yourself and you're not allowed to ever talk to anyone about it or post anything about the trip online.
1: You can't even tell your mom?
2: No, you can't tell anyone. You can tell people that you're going, but you can't tell anyone about what happened or anything like oh. that. It's just and no images, no selfies, nothing. The latter option is you save up for the trip yourself and okay. then you can go with your loved ones.
1: And you can tell everybody about
2: it. Oh, of course you can take pictures on, which would you rather do?
0: This episode is brought to you in part by beyond ordinary women ministries, which prepares Christian women for leadership at bow. We believe that every woman is a leader because she influences someone. So whom do you influence? Do you mentor a woman serve in the workplace or do you lead a small group? Bow offers Bible studies designed to connect women of multiple generations. They provide a challenge to both women new to the Bible and those wanting to dig deeper. Be our guest and browse all of our free resources and low-cost Bible studies at beyondordinarywomen.org. Interesting, isn't it?
1: That is a very interesting (gasps) question. I think at some point I would have been like, nope, taking the family. And now COVID, I'm like, I'll go by myself. (laughs)
2: Honestly, though, it's so interesting because the experience that that trip would be would become such a part of yourself Mm -hmm. that to not be able to talk about it and share about it would in a sense be painful and harmful because it had become such a momentous memory that you couldn't even share any. You couldn't share it with anyone. Right. Right. So honestly, when you think about those two options you know think about it sober-mindedly I think most of us would actually choose to experience it with other people and to join it and and to go on it with others Mm -hmm. so that you can share that and freely talk about it
1: yeah okay I'll take it (laughs) (laughs) (laughs)
2: so so let's let's kind of zoom into right now right right now Uh, i know obviously we don't have that option presented to us but when we think about right now and raising children in this selfie generation where where it's just like you know prevent your kids from getting a phone as long as you can and when you have to get them a phone prevent them from being on social media for as long as you can because it's just it just so shapes and rewires our brain and all the dopamine that comes when people do see your posts and the likes and all this stuff and then the flip side of the 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 depth of despair that you'll feel if you Mm -hmm. become addicted to that dopamine what we want to do as a family and what you need to really teach your kids is to learn to be okay with not sharing everything. Obviously, okay to share some things, right, but don't feel like your entire world has to be shared, and that's what this is all about right it's It's about keeping our good deeds and our personal virtues unknown right not not posting all of the things that we volunteered to do or our latest achievements on whatever social media platform I mean by practicing secrecy, we're proactively taking the time to put aside our need for affirmation because that's really kind of what it is, uh, and in, to instead rejoice and delight in God as he delights in us.
1: Right. I love that. And as author Sean Palmer writes, secrecy allows us to live fully into God's purpose for my life without seeking stardom. Hmm. Jesus talks a lot about this in uh, the Sermon on the Mount. He specifically says in Matthew 6, and I really want to read this to y'all because he's talking about secrecy in the sense of how to give. So Matthew 6, 1 through 4 says, Be careful not to practice your righteousness in front of others to be seen by them. Otherwise, you have no reward with your Father in heaven. So whenever you give to the poor, don't sound a trumpet before you, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and on the streets, to be applauded by people. Truly, I tell you, they have the reward. But when you give to the poor, don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your giving may be in secret, and your father who sees in secret will reward you. Hmm. So, it's not talking about like you're (laughs) closing your eyes and you're giving, you know, like food to the poor with your right hand and you're hiding your left hand. So, like, I know that can be confusing, right? That's not what Jesus is saying. Mm -hmm, Jesus mm -hmm. is saying that if the only reason, it's your motivation. If the only reason why you're doing this is to get a pat on the back, that's what you'll get. You'll get a pat on the back and Mm -hmm. you'll get your dopamine fix and, like, woohoo, you got your like or your repost from somebody else. But really, it's it's a matter of the heart, right? Why are we doing what we're doing? Is it so that we're learning and showing other people what it means to be loved and that God loves them and what it means to be loved? That's a completely different reason.
2: Yeah, that's right. So this week, uh, we want to encourage you as a family to do something good for someone and don't tell anyone about it. Don't post it. Don't pose for a picture that you may later, gram because you need to <laughs> share. Or need to share. <laughs> yeah. Just do it keep moving on and then tomorrow do it again and then the next day and the next day and the next day
1: yeah do the same thing give without needing that extra pat on the back
2: yeah so as we bring this episode to a close we want to end with the fourth life-changing new year's resolution which is to learn how to apologize
1: Oh, I'm so good at this Daniel. <laughs> Actually no. <laughs> in the last month, I have come to learn that I am a horrible apologizer. Hmm. I'm really really quick to say I'm sorry, but there's but, usually exactly, but, uh, <laughs> but there is usually something attached to those two words. Yeah, usually or, the word is but or, or I'm
2: sorry you felt. Yes, yeah, I'm sorry if that. my words <laughs> yeah, hurt right. you
1: in this way. Mm. yada yada. After reading the book, Why Won't You Apologize by Harriet Lerner, I realized two things. One, I instantly know when I have received a good apology and when I've received an excuse. Mm. And you, you can feel it in your core, right? Think about that the last time someone apologized to you, but really it was to excuse their behavior. Like it cuts you. And in my life, there really have not been many models of a good apology. Not that I'm saying, hey, I haven't been modeled, so therefore I don't have to or don't know how to, but really looking back, look back on your own life. Have there been many models of a person who has? given you and offered you a good apology and then the big second thing that both of us realized is that in certain cultures saying i'm sorry is really not important it's not stressed in fact it's seen as unnecessary
2: yeah we were talking about this for a bit and we were like okay well how often have we heard our parents say i'm sorry
1: I think I can count on one hand.
2: (laughs) Yeah. And it's not that they were never sorry. And it's not that they never made mistakes. I mean, they're human, right? Everyone makes mistakes, but it's so interesting culturally how, That's not really something you say.
1: No, it's not stressed. Uh Especially in Korean culture. I would say the same in Chinese culture. It's like you would say sorry to someone that you're further away from. Like, let's say your boss or a neighbor. But you would never be expected to apologize to your best friend or to a family member. Because there's this underlying tone of, of course, I would never want to hurt you. Of course, I would never purposely Mm -hmm stab you behind the back or something so it's like
2: yeah and and the shame and the shame that would be that you would feel when the other person looks at you in the way that the relationship's been broken and all that. It's almost like that pain is, is like, okay, feel that pain, experience that pain, and that's you saying sorry. Still thinking about it right now, and I'm like, okay, yeah, well, you know, I mean, people do say sorry here and there, but it's not like a real sorry, it's just like, oh, sorry, whatever, you know, like yeah. oh, I'm sorry. You know, something more like that rather than a true apology.
1: Right. So even think back to your own childhood to maybe even your own culture and be like, is that something that people feel the need to do? And then why? Why is that? Frankly, after this past election season and feeling all the divisiveness that has happened, it seems to me that our North American culture (laughs) is really not too concerned about apologizing either, right? Mm. (laughs) In some ways, apologizing is looked upon as a sign of weakness. We're so busy trying to get the other to agree with us that we're willing to shut them out if they don't agree. Mm. Many times we're too busy shouting or trolling or commenting that we don't have the time to question ourselves and the question is but what if i'm wrong Hmm. and if i'm wrong what should i do to make things right podcast family i don't know about y'all but that's really not the world i want my children to grow up in right Hmm. and like mother teresa says if you want to change the world go home and love your family
2: wow wow can you say that again that's so powerful
1: if you want to change the world go home and love your family
2: I wonder how many of us are more concerned about changing the world and having our family just tag along versus going to our family and realizing that loving them is how we change mm-hmm. the world. Right. You know, our children are not going to learn how to be good, good apologizers if we don't model it, right? We have to model it. And, and if we don't offer heartfelt apologies to our children when we have wronged them, then don't expect that they're going to know how to apologize or even to apologize to you, right? Maybe when they're younger, we force kids to say, I'm sorry, right? But as they grow older, you can't coerce them to apologize, even if you're their parents.
1: Right. What is especially interesting about apologizing is an additional guideline that Harriet Lerner suggests. She says, if we want to teach our children to apologize, learn to say, Thank you for the apology and stop there.
2: What? Just stop there? Yep.
1: Just thank you for the apology. This piece of advice sounds simple, but it's really difficult to put into practice. We have this like reflex to use the apology as a springboard. Yeah,
2: I don't I don't know if I've ever just stopped there.
1: In any (laughs) we always turn it into like a moment a teaching moment, right? Oh yeah, Yeah. of course. You gotta take every moment (laughs) to Put a lecture on, like, uh, try again. Yeah. Uh, yeah say you're I, sorry, yeah. like you mean yeah, it. Yeah,
2: yeah. You didn't actually mean that. You just said it, right? Or, or it's good that you apologize, but uh, I want you to think about what made your brother feel the way he did when you excluded him from the game. Or your sister and, and what 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 if what if you were excluded in the same way? Would you feel sorry? Like would you really truly feel that way?
1: Or the classic, <laughs> if you were really sorry, you wouldn't have done it in the first place.
2: Uh yes. Okay, so so let's <laughs> let's read that quote from Harriet Lerner again. Just and or just reiterate it, I guess. Just learn to say thank you for the apology and just stop right there. Just say thank you for the apology.
1: Yeah, because honestly, if someone had responded that way to you when you apologized to them, do you think you would ever want to say I'm sorry again? No, right? Funny how I'm allergic to hearing lectures, but I'm not allergic to giving them.
2: <laughs> <laughs> well, and, and just fast forward, right? I mean, imagine at work or with a neighbor or as adults, you that happens, right? And you do get that lecture. You're like, what? Like, who do you think you are? Yeah, what right do you have? Yeah, yet we do that to our kids. And what's happening is um, they're learning that that's what you're supposed to do.
1: (laughs) Or to tune you out.
2: Yeah, exactly.
1: Right? So yes, there is a time and place to be able to foster a conversation about empathy and yeah, how would your brother feel or how would you feel? But when an apology is happening, how about we just separate those two? Yeah, that's
2: That's right. So there's so much more that we want to unpack about apologizing and forgiveness. But because of the time, we are actually going to do a full podcast episode about this at a later date because it's just so important, especially in this day and age. So podcast family, As we wrap up this week's episode, let's together make these four meaningful resolutions to together build a strong, connected, and joyful marriage and family. Number one, let's adopt a growth mindset.
1: Number two, let's try things that we will fail at.
2: Number three, let's practice secrecy in the way that we talked about in this episode.
1: And number four, let's learn to apologize.
2: So if you didn't have the chance to write any of that down or take notes, be sure to go to inbetween.org slash episode 129 for our show notes. And just as a recall as to, oh, OK, yeah, yeah, yeah I remember that. Oh, I, what was that again? So that's where all of that is going to be. And in fact, if you wanted to text this episode to one of your friends or someone else to or even your spouse to talk about together, or maybe you are a mom and dad of grown up children and you want to share this with your adult children to have conversations about too then all you got to do is text them inbetween.org episode 129 or hit the share button on your favorite podcasting app and share that today all right well next week on episode 130 we are going to be welcoming back rachel cruz
1: right and she is going to be talking about how to make sure money does not ruin your marriage
2: awesome well thanks again for listening in and we'll catch you next time